Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. Hey, Matt. I read. <laughs> That's one of your most uh, succinct uh, uh, introductions of, uh, of the entire podcast, Pete. Well, you got to mix it up. Today, we're taking a look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 109, Repairs. And it is brought to us by the good people of the Roxxon yes. Oil Gasoline Conglomerate. <laughs> That's what I had pegged. You know, l- listeners might not know that, you know, we don't uh, rehearse. I mean, in fact, this episode stopped airing 12 minutes ago. So we don't, you know, we don't share our notes uh, in part because we want to be spontaneous. And That's what I had is I wrote down Roxxon just there in case go. that was your choice. A great minds, Pete. Spoiler, Matt. Wait, what? Spoiler oh, I, right. I spoiled you, you, you myself. called it, you know. Again, fans of the podcast will know me as Spoiler Pete. Indeed. And, you know, Matt, Matt's coming in. You'll, you'll get to level eight someday. I, that's what I hope and wish for, Pete. Speaking of Spoiler Pete and Spoiler Matt, Matt, what did Spoiler Pete predict last week? Spoiler Pete predicted that episode 108, The Well, directed by Star Trek's own Jonathan Frakes. Uh, would stop the slide, the rating slide that had occurred, and indeed it did. Uh, episode 108 uh, got a 2.4 rating and a 7 share, uh, as well as 6.89 million viewers here in the good old US of A. Uh, that was the, um, well, it stopped the rating slide. It actually is still the second lowest rated episode. But, you know, look, bottom line is this, is for this show to... Uh, continue beyond its first season abc has to know how many people are watching so they can determine how much money they can make off the ad rate and advertising so they can determine a budget etc etc so pete i hope i mean you know a a 2.4 in today's kind of you know uh modern tv landscape uh is is pretty good for your live uh, your live viewing numbers I would agree, and I'm going to further predict that the uptick will continue this week. Um, Fans of popular culture, not that I'm a a watcher of the show, will know that um, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes usually into the next hour uh, by about a minute, and again, that's a programming thing to to try to get those ratings, we'll know that it was going into tonight's uh, Dancing with the Stars uh, season finale so look for that ballroom bounce in the ratings the next 24 to uh 48 hours well we found out in this episode pete that uh, there was another ballroom bounce but first i'd like to just mention to everyone that if you'd like to help the podcast what with our bandwidth and storage costs you can head over to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com and click on the paypal link even a little bit goes a long way and uh, Pete, I would also like to mention that um, I forgot what I was about to mention. So back to you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a look at this episode. What I'm labeling a uh, claustrophobic yet cute haunted house within the bus. Pete, speak, speaking of haunted house, I've just remembered what I was going to say. And it yes. actually is kind of sad. Okay. Listeners, apparently there are a couple of people out there. Who they drink the haterade, and for those of you not in the know, haterade is what you drink when you be hating. We happen to come across on iTunes that not not for the written reviews, but for you know you can just kind of click a starred review. Not one, not two, but three people gave us a one star rating, 
And all I want to say is this. I don't know who it was. I don't know why they why they're hating. But listeners, if you think we are more than a one star rating, just head on over to iTunes. There's a link on shieldpodcast.blogspot.com. I'm not saying it needs to be a five star. That would be nice. That would be appreciated. But if you think we're more than a one star, let your voice be heard. That's all. That's all. We're we're a community of fans. We all enjoy the show. We, you know, warts and all. I have I have I have some ammo for this episode, some things I didn't like. There's a lot I did like. Just let us know. With that, Pete, back to the horror house. The haunted house. The haunted house. <laughs> that too. Um, so we get the whole uh telekinetic uh tease there, and it's been mentioned several times, this index uh of gifted people which was repeatedly referenced throughout this episode. And we get an idea from Coulson that it is not as big as we may have uh, speculated before. And we find that one Hannah Hutchins in uh, Utah uh, seems to be at the center of uh, a telekinetic nightmare. Uh, Carrie-esque uh cacophony of events around her she worked in a uh, particle accelerator uh which in a very uh fukushima like uh way imploded and uh she is suffering as a result of that and that is the thrust for the episode as we pull in now, Pete, I have a question for you. If mm-hmm. Hannah, uh, what was her name? Hannah Hutchins. Hannah Hutchins. If her, see, I'm, I'm tripping over the, the joke I'm setting up here. If Hannah Hutchins' middle name was Harriet, could we call her Triple H? I'm assuming we can, but that might violate some kind of uh, copyright on that name with the WWE. Yes, we'd hate to degeneration X too quickly. Anyhow. Yes. <laughs> Pete, I want to agree. It wasn't just kind of a a carry vibe, also a bit of a fire starter vibe for you Stephen King fans out there. Definitely. Uh, definitely felt that aspect of it. Um, but where we get that stuff early on and a, a really kind of a X-Men uh, 2-3 homage with, uh, you know, the scene outside her home and, you know, the cop car and some people there to see her, you know, between the um, the X-Man 2 scene with, um, who was that? Uh, the, the fire guy, right? The, no, not the fire guy. Iceman. Iceman. When, when okay. Iceman comes out to his family in X-Men 2 at the heart yes. of the story. Yes. And then in X-Men 3, when, you know, they corner uh, the resurrected Jean Grey um, inside the home there. Um, really, really evocative of, of those two, uh, scenes. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it really silly too. Hey, let's throw eggs at the telekinetic <laughs> before, uh, the police car comes careening at them. But again, hey, she presumably know, started a fire and blew up a gas station and threw cans at the guy. So we're going to make her angry. Exactly. But the stuff early on was creepy and it was quick and it was effective and it, it moved the story to where we needed to, um, you know, we'll, we'll examine Hutchins and, uh, 
you know, the character of Tobias a little more deeply in the, um, the dossier portion of the podcast, of course. But let's pick up with a thread from last week that I don't think either of us had any idea would be answered as quickly with what took place before the secret scene in last week's episode, Matt. Well, and what took place, of course, was, uh, you know, uh, a uh, downtrodden uh, ward heading to his room and May giving uh, what, what we thought was a come hither look. Uh course with a bottle of booze in hand there was a possibility that she was inviting him for a few a uh, few drinks these two kind of veterans of uh, of unseen wards if you will and then we find out we, we we get the spectacular nude back of uh of uh agent may and then uh ward uh with a towel draped around him which i believe i don't remember if it was me or you pete i think it was me but one of us mentioned last week you know surely we're not going to see ward you know with a sheet around him as he as he quickly runs back to his room um we we essentially got that and um then could the, they have been working out um only the way mommies and daddies work out when they want to make a baby Oh, come on, Matt. You need somebody to spot you sometimes, you know, it, it's a, in, a, in a gym setting, you know, you, you, you can, uh, you know, bathe and towel off and there's, there's nothing inherently sexual about it. It's, it's, it's just good, clean fun. Now, Pete, you and, and I She was both... out of there, man. She was out of there really quick. She, well, you want to know what? Listen, joking aside. I thought that it continued the affirmation of May as an independent woman that we saw at the end of last week because it essentially was the air of, hey, we both needed something physical and we both needed something kind of short-term emotional. So we got the physical, you know, we got the canoodling, then we had some snuggle time where we got to kind of, you know, as human beings hold each other and feel, you know, feel good about whatever. And then, you know, it was time to go to work, so... You know, I, I I honestly felt May was like, I got what I wanted. Thanks, fella. Adios. The money's on the table. Oh, you don't even get that. Goodbye. Like, I just wow. thought she like, she she got him good. She got, you know, she she was looking for a you know what. And she got a you know what. And then when that was over, she was like, goodbye. So she got a canoodle in. She, I well, I think Ward got the canoodle in. She got the canoodling. So I'm just uncomfortable, though, painting the cavalry as this black widow, you know, that, uh, you know, she devours the mail and she moves on. I think we saw, if anything, from the secret scene, you know, she's reemerging, um, you know, unlike the way Coulson, you know, in, in this first episode in a while, not a real emphasis towards Coulson's ordeal. Right. You know, and, and I don't think you could here, given the, the heaviness that May has seen um, in her career and in her life. But um, go ahead. I, well, I was going to say I would agree that there is a there is a story arc there, which is May is so distant that she has repeatedly uh, done this with Ward. And I certainly don't want to sound like, you know, Ward isn't an equal 50 percent of the equation. But it's I suspect it's not the first time May has said, all right, buddy, thanks. You can leave now or I'm going to go to work now. Goodbye uh, or not even a goodbye. Just all right. Adios, um, which is so distant. You know, we, we spoke last week. What are the long term consequences going to be? 
it appears there are going to be no long-term consequences because they both have made this consciously um, unemotional. They've made it. Well, I wouldn't be so sure of that. How about, uh, you know, Sky and Ward uh, talking about May and, you know, the, the, the hints there, you know, Sky said, I I think she needs some attention uh, a little more brashly as is her characters want then the knife was missing, of course, as, you know, uh, Ward may have felt he was picking a metaphorical knife <laughs> out of his back. OK, um, you know, this will have repercussions, you know, before that secret scene, last scene of the episode, you know, proper, um, you know, uh, Sky and uh, May in the cockpit. Wonder what they could have talked about. Well. I think it it, it 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 speaks to the strength of May's character and the strength of the female characters in the show in general. Well, two of the three female characters, as you'll hear later, I'm down on one in a big, big way. But uh, I, I like essentially, uh, it speaks to May's strength and the strength of the writing in that it seems they are leaning towards the idea, that, kind of the opposite of the stereotype, which is Ward is a bit more like, Hey, I think maybe I kind of like you a little bit. And she's just like, hey, you know, hey, pretty face. Thanks for the good time. Adios. Um, so I kind of like that that flip on the traditional, you know, the girl has puppy dog eyes and the guy's like, later toots, I got what I wanted. Um, so your thoughts, Pete? I, I could definitely see that. Um, but I think in light of what you're saying, we're, we're making two dimensional characters out of what I feel are very much fleshed out characters. You know, the amount of development that has gone on with our core group in the course of nine episodes has really been tremendous. I would certainly agree that we've seen amazing and interesting growth with Colson and May and Fitz and Simmons and Ward in these uh, first nine episodes well let's have let's have this out then about sky the character all right sky because i have been won over and in a complete twist you are what? headed in the opposite direction pete this is further proof that we don't uh plan this stuff ahead of time yes on twitter i said halfway through the episode sky is the um what did i say i said sky wesley is the wesley crusher, crusher of agents Which, of shield again let's explain for some people that might not know there was a uh, show yes. in 1987 called star trek the next generation Wait, which was it itself called, i thought it was, was called the star trek the next generation no no it was called star trek the next generation which itself was a spinoff of an earlier show from the 1960s entitled star trek so star trek the next generation <laughs> Uh, tried to further the uh, you know ideas of the first, setting it 75 <laughs> years in the future. And one of their big wrinkles was to put a child in the cast to the dismay of many fans, despite the fact that he was probably the biggest movie star on the show at the time when it aired. Uh, Wesley Crusher was the character's name, and he was played by Will Wheaton. And he wasn't just disliked because he was a child. He was disliked because in many episodes, particularly in the first half of the first season, he's smarter than literally everyone else. He's able to just do things. He's just able to outthink the best of the best on the flagship starship Enterprise. 
Um, so first I said that, Pete. Then I said later on in the episode, just to announce on Twitter, I will be arguing that that and, and and Pete, this gets to the crux of our argument here. I legitimately feel that Agents of Shield would be a better show if they axe the character of Sky. It's nothing against the actress; she's lovely. I think that she even performs the character as intended. I'm thinking uh, of the first season of West Wing when Moira something, the woman from that ice skating movie, Moira she was a cast, Kelly. Moira Kelly was in the West Wing as I believe a um, a lobbyist, um, and playing. You know, she all her characters apparently are abrasive. I don't know if that is the actress, uh, but she was very abrasive, and it kind of was the complete opposite of the the Martin Sheen as the great, the greatest democratic president ever the the father we wish we all had is now president um she was just the opposite of it and it didn't work and she was in there the entire season you come back season two and it's like oh remember lobbyist moira she left uh hey look there's the president on to season two um i would call for a similar I feel like this character is not working and you can't backtrack and say, oh, now Sky has gone to the Academy and she can act like a freaking grown up. We get these lines. Something bad is out here. Again, nothing against the actress. They're feeding her these crud lines. It's all this, you know, oh, I'm going to sit and I want to go talk to Hannah because da da da. put me in coach. It's like, hello, you're below training level here. And uh, I think the show would be. I, I I think we need to we need to have a season one finale in which you know boom boom, and then you have Coulson holding the lifeless body of Sky, looking up, saying no. <laughs> you know, a la the the death in the family cover from from Batman in the eighties when they killed Robin, and let it be iconic like that. You know, not all heroes are super, and not all heroes live. Something like that. So, Pete, that's my argument that she is she is a character is too weak around these other five, which are so strong as leaders, as women, as intellectuals, as independent man mountain spies. She's the weak link in, in, in a bunch of interesting but strong professionals. I'm not going to argue that she's the weakest character, but by design, she has to be as, you know, the, the two junior agents in Fitz and Simmons pointed out, you know, she's essentially a, a freshman and she's got to, you know, put up with the abuse now and be put through pranks and, you know, the like, but um, she's grown tremendously and I want to point as exhibit A for my argument, the Sky and Hutchins discussion in the cage there where, you know, uh, Sky really helped to talk her down, brought in this idea, God is love. And then the key word mistake, she was mentioning mistakes and May was listening in on this. And there was a flash of both recognition um, and acknowledgement with that word mistake, almost to say that May knows that uh, Sky might have a little something for Ward, and she kind of regrets maybe uh, getting in on that in light of the way the last episode went down. But I think she's she's really grown. Nobody was more worried. Go back and listen. Um, of that character at the beginning of this show than I was. And I think they handle her better 
each week. I will admit that they're giving her better material. The notion that she might be on some sort of arc where she will become May-like. Um, that, you know, hey, all these rough-and-tumble agents, particularly the, the most senior two of the bunch, they too were once young, wide-eyed kids. That gives me hope that they're going to do something interesting with the character. But thus far, for her to just kind of be like, I'm cool, and I'm the outsider, and I'm also Winston Zeddemore, Your Honor, and you need to explain how the uh, how the the ghost trap works, which, by the way, is a reference to Ghostbusters 1984, in which they bust ghosts because busting makes me feel good. So uh, the character can go somewhere. I'm not saying I'm, I'm certainly not calling for like you know somebody on Twitter said I stopped watching the show two weeks ago because of Sky. I think that's a bit harsh. I mean, if nothing, if, if nothing else, if the rest of the show is good and you don't like her, you know, you can, or if you don't like something, you can sit and, you know, make fun of it and have, have a big part of the conversation. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think at this point, the sky that we've seen so far uh, is, is the puzzle piece that doesn't fit. Well, and, and you referenced dialogue too. I mean, I couldn't be further from you on that. You know, she had the, one of the best lines of the episode that was trending on Twitter. She called um, the facility where they're trained. She called the Academy shield Hogwarts. <laughs> okay. So that was, fun. so I I'm going to say stay the course with her, Matt, the same way I talked you off the ledge about the ratings last week. I'm going to say, stay the course with this character, give her time, give her a chance. She's grown on me. She'll grow on you. Uh, there's a Ward and May joke to be made there, but I think there I, is. I think but it's I won't. too, but it's too easy. Pete, let's talk a little bit about something else that was fun in this episode: uh, the Fitzsimmons hazing dialogue, the hazing plan, and kind of as a way in there. I love uh, Simmons's tie. It's so the, I kind of associated the tie as a, shirt. Um, yeah. You know, uh, combination was uh, was one great and on that actress uh too stunning can and pete this is an honest question here i don't i don't say this for frivolity's sake can Gemma simmons uh wear any piece of clothing and make it look absolutely stunning i'm pretty sure at this point she can excellent um but yeah, I dug the tie. I kind of, I kind of associated as quintessentially British. I suspect it is, although I, I can't swear to that. Um, well, they both wore ties in this episode, and and they've worn ties the two of them quite a bit. And you know, it was a great line between the two of them when Fitz says, "You were screaming like a girl," and she says, "I am a girl," yeah. and it just hammers home the relationship between the two of them, which is entirely. Um, asexual a gender if that's even the word that you know, it, it, it's completely i mean neutered kind of sounds so powerless but it's it's so childlike not childish but childlike the connection the two of them have each other they really are the wonder twins where they kind of don't recognize each other as potentially fantastic you know romantic potential between the two of them it's just that great friend of mine who's who's like me in so many ways um it was just fabulous between the two of them, as usual, but it's just absolutely fabulous. Definitely. And and key in that was the exchange, you know, getting Sky over the barrel there. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, you didn't hear the story how, uh, you know, the cavalry took out a 100 men on 
horseback in Bahrain, which, uh, you know, actually contain more truthful details than I would have thought when we finally got the full on reveal from Coulson. Well, uh, go ahead. He, well, I just had like I had kind of a stylistic question for you, which might be also a, a backdoor into a, a mild concern about the show. Pete, if I said the name Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, what would you say? I would say director of uh, some fairly notable movies that uh, never really went anywhere. Uh, he is, of course, the writer-director of uh, your your Boogie Nights, your uh, Magnolias. Oh, wait a minute, but there's that other Paul Anderson, you know? <laughs> there is. Paul W.S. Like... Anderson? Is yes, that the yes, one yes. I, okay, then, then I take that back because Boogie Nights, hey, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Not his, as big a fan of some of the other work, uh, Punch Drunk Love. I think he did as well. Yeah, never, never made it through that one. Yeah, but, but uh, love the Boogie Nights. His first movie uh, was released under the title Hard Eight, which is a pretty awful title. He preferred the title Sydney. Um, and there's a scene early on where um, the John Riley character is saying to uh, another character, uh, he's relaying this story about a time that he had a, a pack of matches in his pocket and he was standing online and spontaneously went off. Um, when the script was first submitted, whoever was looking over it said to Anderson, why are you having him just describe that? Why doesn't the script actually show it? Why don't you cut to him in line and he narrates this event? And I had that in mind as we heard these different cavalry stories. And perhaps the show didn't want to walk the line of levity, but the notion of having of of having uh, May kind of coming in you know, in the desert, as as Fitzsimmons is uh, are are telling the the story, and then oh, she was on a horse, and you you replay kind of her introduction with the music, you know, with music, da da da, da or, you know, something like that, convention <laughs> music. Now she's on there, and oh, she had a gun, no, two guns. Like I think that it, would it have pushed the comedy to an area that the show isn't used to? Yes, but we at home are laughing anyway because we know it's not it's not both. Less uh, less than a hundred, or exactly a hundred, or more than a hundred people. Um, it's not all of those at once. We see the humor in it, so why didn't we see it? And I thought it would have been so poignant when we finally get the real story. If it was like May walking out clearly, and and you said to this this very capable actress, "All right, look like your soul has just changed." I mean, I mean the acting chance that i think that i think she could have come up with just have her walk out of there and have the bear mccurry music kind of sparse and thin and you know really kind of capturing this moment of change in her i would have really appreciated appreciated that to have gone from comedy to a little bit more realistic to the tragedy that changed her i don't know why we weren't shown that uh, I, I was disappointed that we just kind of heard it um your thoughts there pete i thought for a moment the way the music was intoned that we might get that um it, not in as grand a way as uh you're elaborating but more so you know the old show some flames put her right. you know behind the flames in a, in a hazy shot and and just kind of get at that but you know i think the power of imagination there in light of what they were trying to do was that much greater um, so I don't fault him for that. And I think we still can see because even Colson doesn't know what changed her in that building. This gifted individual, these worshipers, these followers who were with 
you know, that that could have been an allusion to like a Magneto or somebody. I thought it was brilliant there that that we don't yet have an identity on that. So we can play around with that supposition quite a bit in terms of what's going on. So I was fine with that. And, and you know, later on, Ward getting in it, you know, well, it was 20 guys. It was assassins. There was a rescue. You know, Mays nodded in for not into it for the glory and, and going all throughout that. And Coulson bringing up that she used to be a prankster. And then at the end of the episode that we get the prank. So, you know, this was dotted. There were breadcrumbs throughout this episode in a very clear trajectory. Pete, here's a question that I'm, I'm kind of not asking to be provocative. I'm asking almost out of concern. Do you think that either her her different versions of her cavalry scene or just, well, let me finish the first thought. Do you think that, that this was not shown because of cost concerns? Furthermore, do you think the fact that we have another episode where this time, you know, it's not the entire episode, but we spend most of the episode once again trapped on the bus, a bottle episode with some outside stuff, albeit to what I'm sure was the back lot. You know, whenever you see a dead end or a cul-de-sac, they're almost certainly on the back lot. They're not on a real street, you know. Um, you know, are they, like, kind of what's the budget situation going on where, you know, some of the complaints of the show have been it's not on a grander scale. And I don't necessarily think, well, I don't know, understand be- those. I really don't understand those complaints. Um, the The amount of action and shots and never repetitive that we get with the bus taking off, landing in flight overhead uh the um the changing of the wing position for the second time in what was that two or three episodes Uh those are effects laden shots um i could not disagree more and i'm not trying to gush here i like to think that i call this down the middle but i do not understand it's the same you know um umbrage i took with the article we looked at um what was that last week matt about yeah you know how uh, you know they they haven't uh, you know fulfilled the promise of of the premise. I I could not disagree more. They're doing this. Um, I think given the sandbox that they play in, and that's not an allusion to one of the um, the shield uh, facilities of which we got another one tonight. The fridge uh, thrown at us, but um, I, I think the expectations are greater. Whereas Really, the one reviewer cited Lost Girl in terms of, you know, seriously, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, well, I guess Pete, here's my response. Not Lost Girl, but I just don't think it's on this level of, of it doesn't have this tableau. Yeah, I, I come down on the side of I want a bigger scope somehow. And and the best example I could give is a show that certainly is not in the same league, but I know, Pete, it's a show that both you and I watch. Last night's episode of Almost Human, um, you know, was essentially kind of, you know, diehard, but 42 minutes and on a TV budget and in the future. But I felt like it was much more action, not as many effects. I will grant you that the bus shots are, are effects laden, but I think that, you know, to have... To have an actor running towards camera while stuff explodes in the background, that's that potentially could be super cheap, you know. I mean, 
you know, blow up a, you know, a keg of gasoline or something while your actor runs towards the camera. Um, I think that, I mean, I don't know. I don't want, yeah, I've referred to Almost Human kind of as the, as a cheeseburger. It's nice. It's tasty. Is it the filet mignon that you sit and ponder and go, oh my goodness, I didn't, this is just magnificent. No. And I don't want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be that. I appreciate that we can have a sub story in this episode of Agent May trying to find herself again. But I just feel that they're definitely, I don't know, there's times where it's like, here we are trapped in a closet in the dark. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, that feels to me like the go-to when you've run out of money. Now, maybe they're saving up their money for a whole bunch of awesome stuff. You know, I know that the next episode, which I believe is in two weeks, that's being touted as the the mid-season finale, the winter finale. And it's, you know, I, I have had one little spoilery thing revealed to me that's, the return of a, of a previous guest character. Um, so that's all well and good, but I think the show is definitely in a better direction, but still is kind of finding that pace. I think this was driven by tension and not budget. Let's have the plane grounded. Uh, let's keep them in the dark. We've got a bad guy who dematerializes. Let's make it scary, but not overly dark um i really thought it was good you know i, I give this episode if i'm grading it an a minus just in the way that it handled uh the things they did i'm not worried about the budget on this show i do think matt that they're going to throw bigger things at us it's still relatively very early we're nine shows into what is going to at least be a 22 episode run um so hey man let them let them spend their chips wisely fair enough pete if you've taught me anything it's that uh you, you gotta have faith i mean we had a guy phase shifting in and out we had a, we had a character you know dematerializing that's that's not cheap to do exactly either i mean maybe the effects are not coming in, in the grandest way to satisfy uh, people who might say, you know, the resources of ABC, Disney, and Marvel at their hands. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, Clark Gregg can't exactly be cheap uh, as as far as an actor. I, I, I think, you know, they, they've got a number of concerns to think about. And now that they know they're going to have to do at least 22 episodes, you know, being able to do it wisely. That's true. That's true. Now, Pete, you mentioned this phase shifting bad guy. Shall we shall we move to the dossier? Yes. And yet again, you know, my, my biggest argument is that, you know, we have this continued misdirection in the uh, Marvel universe of let's suspect this one's the bad guy. No, it's really this one. Just once I want a clear cut bad guy from start to finish. That's what I want. And initially, we suspect that is the character of Hannah Hutchins, you know, uh, reviled by the people in her town for having supervised a particle accelerator into oblivion. And, uh, you know, she tells you right off the bat, you know, it's not her. She's guilt racked. She's also unaware. She says at uh, one point, she says, it's not me. I wish it were. If it were, I could make it stop. That led me to believe that maybe we were going to get back to Graviton um, at this point. Um, we saw 
right into a commercial break, um, somebody in the shadows on the bus who then disappeared. Um, you know, Hutchins is saying that she's being haunted by demons and we're meant to take that metaphorically, of course, until we see that Matt, you and I were chatting back and forth, uh, during the break and I went back and looked and, you know, of course revealed it was nobody that looked anything like, uh, the character of Graviton. So, uh, yeah, uh, not just yet. Now, Pete, when you, when you use the word metaphor, maybe we should explain, ah, never mind. Um, <laughs> no, I, we shouldn't. <laughs> some, I, some things are for your ninth grade English class. <laughs> um, I, it, it, it's funny. I think that you and I, uh, and probably many a listener, many of you, are start to pick up. I think at about the same point, within two or three minutes of each other, that she had said enough times, "I'm being haunted." I'm like the, the notion that this wasn't her, that it wasn't, um, you know, that it wasn't some kind of uncontrolled, uh, you know, Carrie esque uh, telekinesis. I think quickly started to become apparent. I know I had I had said on Twitter, you know, I think it's another telekinetic person in Utah, um, and then we kind of have the, the you know the slight the, the phase shifting aspect as you as you say. Um, I thought all all around, given that the show seems to keep leaning towards, and I want to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to sound like it's a negative. The show keeps leaning towards bad guys that in and of themselves are not great but bad guys whose badness illuminates our characters, puts them through their paces and makes them act and react in different combinations and in different ways, which is, which I think is a little unusual. Um, but particularly for kind of when the show is dipping more towards the procedural end uh, of the spectrum. Um, but I think that it's great because we do get to get these different combinations. You know, where else would you get, sky and may both on kind of guard duty that the passing guards um I, I thought it was very very effective use of of uh dr tobias was it funke was that his name <laughs> was he the the analropist T- tobias ford <laughs> ah ford and but he was not either a, an analyst or a, a therapist right he was not nor was he ever in the blue man group or attempt to um become an actor but he was effectively the acting agent of evil in this episode of Agents of Shield. Um, we after we come back from the break in which uh, the demon was seen in the background. You know, Coulson is you know concerned about an item that uh, you know he thought was glued down in his office on the bus. Uh, a knife has gone missing, um, and then Fitzsimmons has found it. And then um, we make the discovery um, Simmons does of another world that may have been glimpsed and uh, what was later referenced um, apart from our speculation of one of the nine realms witnessed in uh, Thor the Dark World with this episode occurring roughly in the same time frame that uh, perhaps – a uh, a door had been torn open to one of those realms, giving uh, Tobias his unusual properties. So, Pete, would you say, I mean, what would you say is the connection there? Because, 
you know, the, the question from Mike D on Twitter was, is this another Thor tie-in? So would you say, Pete, that it is, it is hinted at that we are meant to, you know, we in the know who've seen Thor the Dark World are meant to definitively feel that that is the case? Kind of where do you, where do you land on that? I like the way it is in that it, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Um, in a similar way, we talked about last week's build episode tie-in to Thor, which, you know, surprise, surprise, kicked the ratings up a notch for the first time. Um, they didn't need to have the hinge that on this. And I think that's, I mean, listen, we know what ratings is. It's a game. You, you try to get the more or the most ratings. Um, but a lot of times they've really kind of got to cheat to play that game. Oh, tune in for this. Oh, we'll have an episode go one hour in, or one minute into an hour of a popular show, whatever it is, you know, we'll put it on a night that, you know, most benefits it. And while we can speculate that it was that, and while Fitz can be the voice of exposition to bring that up, it's never definitively stated. And I like it that way. It can be both. Now, Pete, do I recall correctly from Thor two that, uh, Reference was made to some sort of hell existence. I don't, I'm a, I'm a bit fuzzy on it, but I know you had tweeted or, or texted, you know, something to that effect. Do I remember that, that one of the seven lands as referenced in the tree of <laughs> Asgardian lore was, was hell? Maybe you're thinking of Helheim, which uh, <laughs> I believe was the 10th, uh, realm i i don't remember specifically matt i've only seen the movie twice oh. but uh yeah you know once uh before the final cut was assembled and and uh, yes. then in, in theaters um so there there may be a deleted scene on <laughs> on the blu-ray which references helheim or valhalla or uh some other hell-esque world um who's to say i mean this guy just disappeared who's to say and and while it was let go Who's to say that Tobias can't pop up again as, as you've already spilled the beans and I've known for some time, you know, we're going to see uh, Mike Peterson again next week, who we saw in the pilot. I, I think wonderful symmetry that we get him in episode one and episode 10, um, you know, to break this, to bookend this fall run of the season. And uh, who's to say that this Tobias, uh, couldn't make an encore performance, perhaps Ooh. with some hair plugs. We'll put, <laughs> I'll put in a plug for him now, or 42 of them. <laughs> well said, Pete. Well said. So, <laughs> with that, with that Pete, uh, whoa, great uh, minds, Pete. No, please, please, you go ahead. With that, let's uh, step it on into the level seven segment of the show here. And First thing I want to hit on tonight is the index. Let's see if we can't put our index finger on this index. Well, as we've said many times before, it is unfortunately a, a, a smaller index on account of uh, very logical and profitable decisions that Marvel made in the 1990s and 2000s regarding some of their most prominent projects being uh, you know, sent away to other studios. So I think that's why your 
your Hannah, what's her name again? Hannah Hutchins. <laughs> Hannah Hutchins. It's just not sticking in my brain. Hannah Harriet is sticking. That's the head. alliteration, man. That's right. You know, your your Hannah Hutchinses, your girls in the flower dresses, your guy who can do fire street magic. Um, I guess that's why they're in the index. You know, and then occasionally some god of Asgard comes along, uh, or you know some you know scientist guy who's been on the run who can punch a big spaceship and make it stop because he's always angry occasionally they're on the index too but but i i think the beauty of the setup here is twofold and and yes they did spread out a number of their characters and franchises amongst different studios and and that's how the games played and disney i think is going to be very shrewd in allowing marvel to recapture those I know now that they're moving forward with another Fantastic Four uh, to continue the connection here we're making with the with Arrested Development here tonight and the fourth season. One of the things that worked the best with Tobias playing uh, the Thing in the Fantastic Four musical that they're putting together. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think they will ultimately recapture all of those franchises and let's hope that the Marvel cinematic universe in this incarnation continues to the point where that can all come back. But Fox is, you know, gonna, gonna milk that bad boy for what it's worth. And, and they're firing that back up. But the beauty again, within this construct is that, okay, you know, we can have a Johnny storm esque character who shoots fire. And we could hint that maybe the cult of uh, a, a character like um, Magneto or, or something or someone along those lines is in existence in this world. I mean, Jeff Loeb told us at New York Comic Con, you know, the head of Marvel TV, he, he told us that they're not going to shy away. Obviously, these are rights that uh, belong to different camps at this point. But he wouldn't rule out that, you know, when they can, they can make something happen. And, and I think that furthers the potential here. We certainly shall see. It's, it's um, you know, my malaise from last week certainly has been lifted despite the, the anti-sky sentiment. What would that be? What, what shall we anti-sky people call ourselves? The ground, perhaps? Uh, <laughs> but I think that... Um, it's it's interesting to see where things are going to be headed, particularly as as you say, you know, with uh, the next episode, which will air in in two weeks' time, as that kind of picks up a little, um, uh, I don't know, boomerang effect. You know, we kind of start to go over some familiar turf from previous episodes. It uh, it'll be interesting to see where we end up. Which has to happen. All great dramas, once they've laid out your scene, they're they're going to go back and you know pick up on threads that can really be expanded upon and that people reacted to and you know with all the scripts that they had and it was no secret this pilot was going to go to series given who was behind it um you know with the Whedons and everything there so that they come back to uh, Peterson for next week's episode and being able to do that, um, you know, and, and 
Will he become another agent? Will he become a regular? Will they kill somebody else off and, and he could slide in or, you know, okay, sky's on assignment or whatever could definitely go there. Um, you know, the, the one other thing, and again, continuing with this idea of the index that I'd just like to explore in, in level seven, if not Magneto, you know, what did May witness, you know, what are her demons that uh, Coulson saw her emerge from that building, a changed woman? You know, Pete, when you put it like that, I'm increasingly agreeing with what you said and realizing that the show is laying tracks not for the reveal in this episode, but for what Coulson did not see, for the real truth of the capital T, that this was just the appetizer. So uh, perhaps they, they know their lesson from P.T. Anderson uh, better than we think. Well, with that, let's see what other people think, Matt. Let's check out some of our uh, decrypted transmissions for this week. Well, Pete, literally hot off the Twitter thing, the Twitter wire, um, <laughs> is, is uh, a tweet by on, uh, on the Twitter, Dr. Polo 1983, <laughs> that is the Twitter moniker for Mr. Andre Yeager, as he says on Twitter, he said to us, best episode yet, gets better each week, can't wait for episode 10, and while I would politely disagree with Andre that it was the best episode, I would agree that we are getting better and better each week, and I too cannot wait for episode 10, Pete. Yes, I would not agree on the best episode. I think it's one of the better episodes, and yeah, I mean... This is money time. This is at the end of sweeps to peak like I believe they are. And, you know, I think the ratings will bear out in the next couple of days. Um, this is what Disney and ABC are going to be looking to. Will they get a second season order based on November sweeps? I'm going to say no. Um, but it will build their case. Yeah, I mean, there for for those not used to uh, to you know ratings watching or or pickup watching, basically, you know, aside from aside from unusual circumstances like, hey, we want to tie up the contracts of the actors from Grey's Anatomy, so in February we're going to reannounce season for the following September. You know, aside from those kind of strange circumstances, good ratings or bad, we could we can expect. Um, we should not expect any sort of announcement until the neighborhood of, of April, if not outright May. Um, I think they'll get it before then. Okay. Um, and, you know, the the it's not complicating. I, I think, believe it or not, it helps that they had Kobe Smulders in the pilot and that How I Met Your Mother will be ending and she'll be freed up. And wanting to be able to bring her over. And, you know, she, I think, is a is a moderate TV draw at this point. And being so able you to... could swap out Colby Smulders for Sky. <laughs> if it were only that easy and if that only served the story. But I don't think it's that simple, Matt. You know, remember, Sky, the character itself, and I've said it before, it's a necessary ill. Um the, the the snarkiness I I think and and the way that Chloe Bennett has handled it has definitely helped, um, but the character is what she is. She's our outsider. She is us, more so in a way that Ward is not. 
And we have to be exposed, at least initially, to this world of S.H.I.E.L.D. through her eyes. Could that ultimately change? Of course it could be uh, in, the, in the offing. Um, will she get to a, uh, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. formal initiation given a level training beyond having a... Uh, a supervising officer, you know, go to the academy. Well, maybe that's where they spin her off. Okay, uh, you know, Wesley's going to the academy for a couple seasons. We'll see in season seven. Uh, or they take a page from Star Trek The Next Generation, all of a sudden declare, uh, because of the great threat from Captain America 2, Sky, you hereby get a field commission <laughs> as level one agent of shield now you can dress in a suit just like everybody else you know with a rainbow top well no no, no that, <laughs> wait was wesley's rainbow top was, was leslie that? or wesley <laughs> oh he's originally Actually, leslie that's what, then, yeah. that's what you can call sky is leslie <laughs> leslie um leslie rusher there certainly was a time where wesley was just wearing the red uniform and flying the ship and occasionally talking to mom that's where sky needs to get to except mom didn't love her wow it's kind of harsh no disrespect the worst thing i've ever seen or i've ever heard you say and i've heard you say some bad things <laughs> pete pete that's only because the really bad things that i say in jest uh you agree with anyhow let's let's hear some more from uh nice things that uh people had to say indeed our pal zp international on twitter said uh this is the episode that they should have shown for halloween until they bring in the zombies and i quickly pointed out when he mentioned that that soon after we were shown a barn so he might have been onto something (laughs) you know uh no no uh no nine-year-old girl, though, uh, shambled out of it, thank goodness, because I would have been broken for the second time in two years. Well, Pete, if they only opened up the cellar beneath the barn, you know what they would have found? A, a ship from term? Krypton. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, which actually is a good – no, actually, we'll save that transition because that's uh, – Anyhow, you'll see why we saved that transition. Uh, We also got a tweet uh, from Mike D, who I referenced earlier, who said, gifted equals mutant. Is that how they'll do Quicksilver? So, Pete, do you have handy a definition of the comic book character Quicksilver? Because we also have some Marvel Cinematic Universe movie news. uh, If you, well, how about this? Pete, who's Quicksilver? Not completely sure. I know we get all this credit that we're such masters of this universe. And again, that's a high compliment, but I think there's so much going on in it. It's hard to stay on top of it. I did in passing see some of this news though. Well, Pete, I'll tell you Quicksilver, AKA Pietro Maximoff, Peter, a fictional character, um, but he's the son of Magneto, the twin brother of Scarlet Witch. Oh patron. yes, yes. So in the so, full disclosure, that's all we know about this guy. His picture on Wikipedia, he's blue, and he appears to be magnetically moving guns. That's all I know about him as a character. Uh, Pete, what got the character of Quicksilver in the uh, the news recently? Was he cast in? Uh... Avengers 2? He was, and in a wonderful 
bit of wah-wah synergy, he's going to be in Avengers 2, the character Quicksilver is, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's what the, that's a hyphen it. There's okay. also some exciting news, Pete. The powers that be between Marvel Studios and uh, Fox Studios have worked out some of the, the, the overlying area between the two. Quicksilver also is going to be in X-Men Days of Future Past, played by someone else, <sighs> which to me is freaking ridiculous. If you've worked out the legal end, just how... <laughs> How enticing would it be to have the same guy in both movies? They can't be big parts. X-Men Days of Future Past has like five Oscar winners and 14 people who have been in other X-Men movies. Why don't you have the same freaking guy? That would be so cool. And you don't need to explain it. You don't need to explain it at all. There doesn't even need need to be a little nod of this, that, or the other. Just do it and have people sit there and go, wow. You drop, you know what? This has got to be at the feet of of Fox because I can almost think Marvel Studios would have been like, sure, whatever. Like they didn't have a Sam Jackson Avengers yeah. movie plan when they had him come out and mention Avengers. It was like, it's cool. Let's just do it and see what happens. Right, and you know, see, seizing on that just stalled. But uh, I'm very wary of that coming x-men movie days of futures past just because i i think it's going to collapse under its own weight yeah um to reboot it the way they did i think was smart and we've seen repeatedly in this you know era james bond and batman and star trek um and now to go back to those guys not again that you know sir patrick stewart and sir ian mckellen and hugh jackman aren't worthy of you know, doing it and, and that they're doing it, I think says a lot about their commitment to, you know, that franchise. But if you're going to make a tie in, yeah, just put the same guy in, in the two movies. It, it seems beyond simple. Um, but I, I think a lot of times Hollywood makes it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Particularly neither of these actors I've heard of before, the the one in x-men uh is in american horror story which i don't watch but you know it's only been on three seasons so it's not like it's you know whatever uh you know it's not like been in all three seasons of american horror story because they tend to shift the cast up they do it which is they do a totally cool thing on that show which we'll save from other for some other discussion other than Mm -hmm. to say they have an ensemble yeah they have a repertory cast that plays different characters each season which is just shocking at how cool an idea that is. Oh, I think that's what's kept it on the air. Um, yes, he's been in all three. Okay. So, um, anyhow, should we bring it back to Agents of Shield, Pete? Absolutely. Um, it's all see. intertwined, man. It is. Thanks, Mike. Mike D just gave us like five minutes of awesome discussion and, and breaking news here. Well, I would expect everything of a Beastie Boy. <laughs> um, on Twitter. I had said, Sky, you're annoying. You're the Wesley Crusher. I referenced this of, uh, earlier, of course. To that, uh, Sarah E., uh, who goes on Twitter as Ellie Barton underscore 30. I believe that might be a reference to uh, old Clint Barton there. Isn't that his name? The- yes. Okay, yes. Uh, she said, in response to my witty comment, she said, After a kind of rubbish day at work, this made this completely made me laugh. So, Pete, I'm glad that it wasn't just a laugh, but it was a complete laugh there. Uh, 
from Sarah at my uh, amusing comment. Definitely. Well, Pete, that's it for uh, the communications I've gotten. Has anything come across your uh, your portion of the bus? Well, lest we forget, you had mentioned the negative one-star iTunes reviews that we anonymously received, the, the trio, uh, since we last spoke. Indeed. And no sooner on the heels of that does Andre Yeager leave us a five-star review. Wow. Good, good job, headlined. Uh, the text of which reads, guys, keep up the good work in the podcast. Don't hold back and tell us how you really feel about the episodes. Believe this week might be Melinda May's backstory. Can't wait. This was left today, earlier today. Uh, so want to thank you, Andre, for listening. And uh, yeah, you you hit it on the head as far as uh, predicting May's backstory. And uh Thanks for uh, the comments. Wow, how wonderful indeed! You know, we don't uh, we don't do anything other than smile when we see those nice things on iTunes, uh, and uh, it certainly is a nice way to to share your thoughts about the podcast. So, yes, thank you, Andre. With that, Pete, we now move on to some hallowed territory here. We move on to agents of the week. Oh, agents plural. Plural, yes. Wow. Yes, first. Uh, in, in what was a short message, but I thought that it, it, it made me chuckle um, in part because this this uh, person is thinking this is from Mao Five Jones uh, is the person's name. And then their Twitter name is Rai Rai Jones. Right. Um, Ryan Jones. We've seen him before. OK, my, my bad. Um, he said portal to hell equals the negative zone, maybe. So your thoughts there, Pete, about uh, the negative zone, which I am pretty sure is a reference to. Uh, I need to look it up here on the old, uh, the old Wikipedia. Um, oh, I take that back. I was first thinking the uh, what's it called, the Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone, yeah, from DC, from the uh, DC universe. But instead, he was saying uh, that the negative zone is an antimatter universe in the Marvel Comics okay. uh, world. Uh, first introduced in the 60s so all the better for him to kind of be digging deep there into the uh the marvel um kind of the marvel history definitely i mean listen we have listeners and fans of this show that are incredibly well informed and i think this is smart tv too you don't turn off your brain when you watch this show given the multitude of connections it makes to previously existing stories. By the way, just for reference here, a bit more of an explanation about the negative zone. Um, essentially, it is a parallel uh, universe to Earth's. Um, there are some notable differences. All matter in the negative zone is negatively charged. Uh, it's filled with a pressurized, breathable atmosphere, um, and it has a deadly vortex of unspeakable power, which... I think is similar enough to um, what we saw fleetingly that um, that uh, Mr. Jones here has uh, has I think come up with a good theory. I don't think it's he doesn't mean it to be definitive, nor I think is the show definitive. But it's a nice little peek into that deeper Mar Marvel uh, Marvel world. Yeah, I mean we've seen it once. It it can come back. You know, maybe there can be others who who cross through this rift. You know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the door by any means is closed. So congratulations, 
agent of the week. I will be in touch. And actually, by the way, I'm a, I've been a bit lax. I need to get in touch with uh, – I, I need to send out buttons from the past week or two uh, as it is. Uh, certainly with the upcoming American Thanksgiving uh, holiday weekend. I'm going to get caught up on that. But, Pete, we still have one more agent of the week. This goes to Mary who said, I'm not sure how I feel about this thing with Ward and May. I just look for Sky to find out and be pissed and hurt. And I had responded um, that essentially I'm concerned that the show is going to just do a straight love triangle. And she said, I hope they don't go that route, that of a love triangle. So certainly another uh, another viewer of the show who's hoping for the show to take kind of the best route, not necessarily the most familiar TV tropes. So uh, for that observation there, kind of daring to not quite, you know, to, to feel unsure about Ward and May, Mary gets Agent of the Week. Well, Pete, before we get to the podcast contact information, weekly people, I think, tune into this podcast, not actually to discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or to hear the latest Marvel movie news, but to get an update on the little engine that could, the star of Twitter, you how can people talk to you on twitter that's all people want is that personal connection you to validate them. <laughs> wow uh well 1490 people can't be wrong matt you can follow me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r on twitter i am looking back lost which harkens back to the olden days of the podcast looking back at lost but more importantly is the here and now if you'd like to say hello to us on twitter uh you can well say hello to the podcast at fantastic geek that's fantastic with a ph uh you can also send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com share your thoughts on previous episodes previous podcasts upcoming episodes marvel movies etc um you also can leave a comment on the webpage shieldpodcast.blogspot.com you can also uh leave a voice message there there's a little thing to click on the right uh, if you'd like to leave a longer message you can call 732-707-1815 and leave a message for up to three minutes where our trusty shield uh hogwarts academy robots will uh answer that and record it and send it to us and uh pete i think i've covered everything twitter email webpage um and uh the the voice line so now pete will i talk to you again next week no you will not because <gasps> there is no new episode of agents of shield next week for just the second time in the first 11 weeks of this season which i think is a fairly uh you know consistent run i yeah. think back yeah. on on a lot of freshman you know hour longs and yeah i i think they've they've been really good about delivering us uh fresh content considering the show does not have the oomph to justify you know doing uh an unbroken run a la gray's anatomy or some of the the, the brighter stars on uh on abc you're right. It's been good because we could have done two, two on, two off, two on, one off. You know, it's been it's been chunks, and it's it's the nature of broadcast TV. I wish this wasn't the case. Um, you know, it won't be the case when the Mar the other Marvel shows hit Netflix, but that's that's just a different animal. So, 
We will be back in two weeks, Pete. Uh, I'm looking forward to what they're calling the winter finale, the return of, uh, of, uh, of a familiar character. I don't want to say too much. I know we said a little bit already. Um, but uh, you know, then I guess we can anticipate being off for, you know, until probably late uh, January or something, and we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do in the interim, if anything. But anyhow, Pete, I think I will say adios to all our listeners, and uh, I will just sit back and await your final word. Well, 1990s technology at its best.